Welcome to Inside Personal Growth Podcast. Deep dive with us as we unlock the secrets to personal development, empowering you to thrive. Here, growth isn't just a goal, it's a journey. Tune in, transform, and take your life to the next level by listening to just one of our podcasts. Hey, well, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of the podcast. And joining me from Los Angeles is Chris M. King. And Chris is a very interesting guy. You can get him at statusflow.net. That's one place you can go. He has a podcast called Mind Fuck Podcast. You can listen to him on that podcast as well. And he has a book that he wrote. And notably, it was a while ago, but the book we're going to talk about and the things we're going to talk about all relate to Chris. And this book is Renegotiate Your Existence, Unlock Your Impossible Life. Chris, good day to you. Thank you so much for having me. Good to see you. Well, it's good to have you here. And it's good that we finally got this connected. I was telling him, boy, I had his book sitting here for quite some time before we actually got the show uh, booked. But I'm glad that we did because he actually reminded me that we had talked many moons ago prior to that. But you are definitely a guy who has taken a big, deep spiritual journey in your life. Uh, You've taken, uh, we were talking about our common friend, uh, Stephen Kotler at the Flow Genome Project. You've been involved with that. But I'll let our listeners know a little bit about you. Uh, he's executive coach, facilitates the journeys that lead to the discoveries that create sustainable transformation for professional organizations, teams, and individuals. Using his education in spiritual psychology, he and I are both graduates of University of Santa Monica. Woohoo! Uh, And his studies in neuroscience, Chris changes the way clients relate to their worlds to achieve a state of flow, Um, what athletes athletes call the zone, um, where they can renegotiate their existence. They experience exponential increases in leverage, innovation, and balance while eliminating burnout so that they can run businesses and lives instead of having them run them. Uh, when we make this unconscious conscious, Chris says, we make the impossible and even the unimaginable reality. He's trained with the Flow Genome, our Flow Research Collective, the Flow Genome Project, David Bayer, uh, Brandon Bouchard. I love that guy. Uh, I just booked today for the show, Chris, uh, Br- uh, Brian Johnson. Uh, I'm sure you know him. Nice. Uh, feel fit. Unbelievable Mind, you completed your master's program in spiritual psychology at the University of Santa Monica, like I did as well. Uh, Chris has a plethora of, what I want to say, background, Zen warrior training, Rise Up for You, uh, Allison Armstrong's Understanding Men, uh, Sue Talks presenter, and the list goes on and I don't want to leave it out, The Good Men Project, and Elephant Journal. So, Man, you're all over the place. The Good Man Project. <laughs> remind me, that's the guy back in New York who does the podcast. What's his name? But which podcast? The um, the guy that started. Did you start the Good Man Project or was no, that... no, no? That was um, I... what's his name? I'm trying oh, to gosh. think. He's been on the show. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't remember cool. the I don't remember the name cool, now. Yeah. Cool guy though. Really. Was it um was it Brian Reeves? Was that nope. the one? I'm thinking uh, No. I don't no, remember now. It's not that important. The reality is you have the experience to sit here and talk with our listeners today about changing their lives for the positive. And on your website, like I just read, you state that you facilitate the journey that leads to the discoveries that create sustainable transformation for professionals, organizations, teams, and individuals. What has prepared you for helping individuals through what is probably a really radical process? Because, you know, unless you shake the shit out of yourself, you don't normally actually make this. You've got to question all your beliefs, your theories, your thoughts, all of that, Chris. Before you really get to this point where you're going, man, why am I leading this existence? Yeah, that I mean, that is the the key, right? I mean, what what makes me kind of uniquely qualified is that I I live the message. You know, a, a client of mine uh, not too long ago had said one of the things that he particularly appreciated about my style was that I don't come from on high. I'm not this you know preachy. I've got all the answers kind of thing. Is that I'm I'm living this and doing it every single day and. You know, the last 20 years plus of my life have been uh, about uh, exactly the title of the book, renegotiating my entire existence on this planet. Like you can, you can renegotiate relationships or jobs or contracts or whatever. You can renegotiate your entire life and, um, and you can do the thing that you have always wanted to do that you thought was totally impractical, unattainable, uh, or maybe just not worth it. But, um, but I've done it. I've done it several times in my life where I have undertaken a seemingly no way in hell kind of goal. And I've made that my reality. And there's a science to it. You know, you mentioned the Flow Research Collective, the Flow Genome Project. There's a science to making this work. Yeah. And, you know, I wrote a book called Hacking the Gap, a journey from intuition to innovation and beyond. And I do realize that if you do enough personal growth work, You can hack many of the things. I'm not going to say you can't. You actually can. Now, I know that Stephen Kotler says, well, let's hack flow. Well, that was him trying to shorten the cycle to get the flow. And you know this because Mm -hmm. you spent time with these guys. But you you use a great analogy in the book. You start off the introduction by speaking about Morpheus from the movie The Matrix Mm -hmm. uh, and where he said in the movie, you know, you can't explain it, but you can feel it. Uh, You go on to state that we're living under the illusion of freedom, locked up in a jail of our own mind. Uh, Those are pretty strong words, actually. And and it's but it's true because people aren't conscious that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you awaken individuals about the illusion and show them the way to freedom from the illusion they're living? Now, many of them, all Chris will say, they'll probably say, hey, I don't mind my illusion. And many of them are in extreme pain living in that world. Um, don't you think it takes a lot of fear and pain before people want to make and trip that switch to make the move? Yeah. I mean, personal development is a function of personal destruction. If you want to build a brand new casino in Vegas, you're going to have to blow the old one up first. And you can do this in one of two ways. You can just strap a bunch of dynamite to it and blow it to kingdom come. But you're going to create a lot of collateral damage in doing that. So if you're going to undertake a project like this, you need to be strategic, intentional, focused. You got to know what you're doing. 
Um, because I've done it both ways. I've blown up my life and started over with a lot of collateral damage, and I've done it systematically and strategically. And trust me when I say systematically and strategically, it's a whole lot easier. <laughs> um, but it does start with step one is recognizing, uh, and, and I'll prove it to anybody right here. I'll prove it in this moment that you're living in a jail. Your life today, in, unless something really dramatic happened, it's pretty much the same as it was yesterday. And it's pretty much going to be the same as tomorrow because you're going to have something like 70,000 thoughts and you're going to make 33,000 decisions today. And the overwhelming majority of these things are going to be completely unconscious. And mm-hmm. that is why everything's on repeat and, and you are basically trapped in the reality of your understanding yeah if you like it that's fine right (laughs) nothing wrong with it well like in the movie the matrix you're going to take the red pill or you're going to take the blue pill or Uh you know you understand um and i and i think for a lot of people while that movie is extremely old the significance of the story is so true and alive all the time in the lives that we weave, the matrix that we weaved in our own life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so you mentioned that our self-worth, this is a big one, is a foundation to how we create our lives. This is the whole enough thing, right? Ron Mm -hmm. and Mary would talk about, are you enough? Are you being enough, right? Um, And I also like the thing from USM, you don't have to believe everything you think. So I think right. a lot of times we make shit up, then we believe what we made up, then we spend half our life undoing what we made up to live mm-hmm. in the new life. Uh, you say it operates in the background of our mind mm-hmm. and it determines how we're des- how deserving we feel. Mm-hmm. What are the actions that the listeners should consider taking uh, to to change their self-worth and their value and their enoughness to live the life they want? That's a great question because most people are uh, creating, recreating, and validating the reality of their understanding. And that and that has to do with their self-concept as well. Um, you know, anybody, anybody can look over the data points of their life as proof that this is what they deserve or what they're worth. Um but there's, you know, we say seeing is believing, but that's actually wrong. Believing is seeing. If if we believe something to be a certain way, then we're going to see it through that lens, regardless if it's ac- if that's true or not. So it takes a huge dose of humility and a willingness to be wrong about what you think you are worth, that you deserve everything you think about yourself, um, and having that willingness without shame or judgment has a profound effect on your neurochemistry, which physiologically will change how the brain works. And now all of a sudden doors are starting to open and ideas that hadn't been considered previously can start to come in. So it's a function of getting your psychology, your physiology, your energy all working for you instead of against you. Um, but the first thing is you have to be willing to, from, from your ego construct, be wrong about a lot of things. Well, I've told my listeners and they know that I use a hypnotherapist Mm -hmm. um, and I believe the subconscious mind is so strong. It's continuing to operate. I know Bruce Lipton was on here not that long ago uh, and we were talking about the first seven years of our life and the programming that we go through. And 
how we're not going to undo that foundational program, right? Um, now, I'm not saying that I agree or disagree. I'm just stating a fact. I do believe that you can supplant some of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that most of our listeners know that their thoughts influence and control the way of our lives unfold. Mm-hmm. And it creates the self-fulfilling prophecy. I, I don't believe the people that listen to the show don't believe that. But speak with us about how our feelings control how we experience our thoughts. And how we can replace thoughts that do not serve us. Because that's a different topic altogether. It's one thing to know that that I have these thoughts and these thoughts are basically how my life's unfolding. It's another thing to really get in touch with. I had a gal on here that wrote a book called Feeling Forward. I thought it was so great because it was all about the projection and taking the emotion and moving it forward to feel the presence of what it's like to be successful or to be in a great relationship or whatever. So what would you tell people to replace those thoughts? Well, first you need to become aware of what they are, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just, you know, some quick lesson in neuroscience, right? Everybody has an operating system in their head, just like a computer or a phone. Every individual has an operating system. That individual is the sole architect of that system. And They were done writing it by about the time they were six years old. Now, the roadmap here is that the operating system, we call it a belief system. Your belief belief system generates every single thought that you have. As soon as you have that thought, to your point, you experience it as a feeling, right? And there are 27 feelings, according to the psychologist. Um, I, I can break it down to about seven if I really oversimplify it. Mad, sad, glad, fear, shame, guilt, love probably in there somewhere you know there's a there's like right. surprise disgust there's there's others but if 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 i really streamline it uh to for simplicity here so you the system creates the thoughts that you experience as feelings that then drive your actions every action is preceded by a feeling and then of course actions produce results now where humans get weird is that the results that we produce are unconsciously pre-designed to validate the system that started it all. So it's a feedback loop. System, thoughts, feelings, actions, results, system. So to start to become aware of what that system is and how it's working is simply look at your results. Look at your world reality, your physical world reality, because your or physical world reality, where you live, the car you drive, the people you're in, that are in your life, all of this, the entire world is a mirror of your beliefs. So true. And you said that so well. And I know that for my listeners, they get that. Um, and the good stories always frame that up. And the next question I'm going to ask is around a personal story that you told in the book about your ex-wife, Jamie, and our struggles with being bipolar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you state that the bipolar is something that someone has. Now, I had a brother who was bipolar, so I get this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, are you claiming it or are you just living with it? It's not who they really are. Can you tell the story about your ex-wife and the point that you make about identifying with the condition versus becoming the condition? And... Mm-hmm. I love Wayne Dyer from what he said. I took one of your quotes from the book, but his quote, uh, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. I thought it was perfect for this. So talk about Jamie. 
Yeah. Talk about Jamie. Talk about, you know, you, you really had a trying time during those times. Oh yeah. I've got some stories about that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the time I had a loaded gun in my face. I'll tell you about the time that I had to, you know, kick down a door and rush her to the ER. I mean, there, there's a lot of stories, but the, um, the, the point that you're driving at has to do with language. Nietzsche understood this really well. He said, you can tell where a society's uh, been and where it's going by, by the word choices, by the way they frame things and phrase things. And even in the way uh, that you had said that, uh, you had a brother that was bipolar. Well, that creates an identity, right? So if you listen for the I am sentences, I am bipolar. Bipolar Ill, bipolar uh, disorder is a disease, right? Mm-hmm. Like cancer mm-hmm. or heart disease or diabetes. But nobody says, I am cancer. I am heart disease. I am diabetes, right? But people say, I am bipolar. I am depressed. I am angry. I am happy. I am sad. None of that is true. Thoughts are something you have. Feelings are something you have. Your physical body is something you have. Um, an illness is potentially something you have or had. When you start to say, I am this thing, you and I, you, you adopt, adopt an identity around it. Your brain, even though, even if you kind of consciously know the difference, your brain hears this a different way. It has effect on your neurochemistry. It has an effect on your psychology. And of course, this is going to affect how you think and how you feel, which affects your actions, which affects your results, right? So right. it's all systems hacking, right? So you gotta become, you gotta become conscious of these, of these kinds of dynamics in, in our language today. Um, right. You know, you look at 12 step programs. I, 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 and 12 step programs do great things, but they say, you know, step one, I am an alcoholic. It's like, no, alcoholism is something I have struggled with up until this point. That's a very different way to hold it in your consciousness, which has an effect on your physiology, which will ultimately have an effect on your, your physical world reality. Yep. No, it, it, you know, when you claim something and you put that into your consciousness, you, you just said, you talked about diseases, you know, um, you have to look at dis-ease as something that you, for the, I know some of the people are going to throw stones at me, but that you bring on. Okay. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. We know as we live this life now, however long it is, we have the options about the way we think which we know the way we think has an effect on our full-on psychoneuroimmunology, Mm -hmm. okay? That immunology, if it gets weakened, we know we're now set up for the ability to be attacked with disease Mm because of the way the cells are. So let me go to this point. In your chapter on self-awareness, because I'm not certain everybody is aware of what we're talking about, uh, and if they are, if they aren't, they should be. It is such an eye opener, especially the story about the increase in the number of pedestrian deaths being caused by looking at cell phones. Right. Now, I asked my wife the other day, I was thinking to myself, I've had people walk into me on the street uh-huh. or I've seen them walk into a pole. Mm-hmm. All right. What in your estimation is the best way to maybe become aware of that habit, that behavior? Uh, of the things that we do to ourselves that could cause us harm, right? There's yeah. lots. 
There's oh, there's no shortage of them. I, I just made a point about the psychoneuroimmunology, but to awaken and alert us to what we are doing, no matter what it is. So what tricks have you found about creating heightened states of awareness? Well, you know, and, and this is crucial in navigating any physical world, right? If, uh, and we see this on the West side in LA, we have what we call, what I like to call pedestrian entitlement syndrome, which is in the state of California, the pedestrian has the right of way. <laughs> yes, that is true. The laws of man in the state of California state that. The laws of physics, however, are diametrically opposed to this because the several thousand pound vehicle traveling at speed wins every <laughs> time, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's a measurable level of personal responsibility. Now, I train with the best of the best. I train with retired Navy SEALs. I I train with um, um, my buddy Mike at CTT Solutions in Arizona. He's retired uh, Army Special Forces, Delta Force. Like the guy's been blown up. And I asked Mike, I said, Mike, what is the number one thing after everything you've been through and all the places you've been around the world, what is the most important takeaway? And without missing a beat, Mike said, situational awareness. Mm-hmm. You got to know what is going on around you. Mm-hmm. And this right now, the way the world is structured is that it doesn't support this because most of us have a uh, neurochemical addiction to cell phones. Right. We're just, right. we are literally crackheads. That's it's, it's, you're getting a hit of dopamine. You get the like and the sound and ding, and it's basically cocaine. That's what's happening. It's dopamine. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to wean yourself off your addiction and get present in the moment. Be aware, be present with yourself, with whoever you're with. It improves it and improves everything in your life, by the way. Sidebar, improve all your relationships. Just be present with everybody instead of being in, in the phone or, or distracted. Well, and you mentioned it in the book too. There is no multitasking. You can only do right. one thing at one time. Yeah, humans um, don't multitask. That's that's a that's not a real thing. I mean, I remember when Microsoft did those studies, and it you know came out that everybody was talking about, oh yeah, I can multitask. I can do three things at once. You really can't. And if you are trying to do that, uh, you really are putting yourself at peril, especially yes. if you're driving a car with a cell phone and texting mm-hmm. and trying to pay attention to stop signs and people stopping in front of you. I don't know how many people every day get killed as a result of that. I couldn't tell you, but I guarantee you it's happening. Uh, oh, yeah. There, there, there are statistics in the book now. I don't remember what the numbers are, but they were in there from 2019. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's pretty Well, shocking. situational awareness is a key. And I think for every Navy SEAL, anybody who's been in the armed forces who is fighting an enemy, it is so imperative that they're constantly aware of what is and or around them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also has to do about us being aware of us, meaning mm-hmm. as individuals, what are we doing to improve our health? What are we putting in our mouth? Are we riding the bicycle or the life cycle or are we going to the gym to lift the weights and whatever it is? But we have a tendency, <laughs> I was listening to a comedian last night about swimming. He says, well, even Michael Phelps doesn't swim five days a week. And the coach says, oh, yes, he does. You know, and, and so the point is, is it, it's, it's an eye opener. So let's talk about behavior. You know, it's based on our internal strategies, far mm-hmm. more than external factors. Mm-hmm. How do these strategies assist us in achieving our goals? our dreams in life, and what do you suggest we do to become more aware of them? I'm I'm really interested in your internal strategies. 
Yeah, you're, I mean, these, these behaviors are strategies and they are designed to produce some kind of outcome. This isn't necessarily something you want. There's what I call the, the, the payoff of sabotaging behavior. Um, so I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about is I might have a, some kind of self-sabotage mechanism. Maybe I'm hesitant to call the client back or, or a potential client that wants to talk to me about engagement. And there's something in me that procrastinates or whatever. Um, procrastination is a great strategy, right? And it's like, well, what is this strategy designed to do? Maybe it's designed to, uh, to blow the deal. Now, the first thing is, why would I, why would I do that? Why would I intentionally blow a deal? Well, if somewhere in your self-worth, your self-concept, you're not worth it, you bet your ass you'll blow that deal because again, we are unconsciously proving the reality of our understanding. So this might be a strategy to shoot yourself in the foot so you can prove you don't deserve it. And of course, none of this is happening in your conscious awareness, right? Um, and, and something like self-sabotage isn't necessarily a bad thing because maybe I'm finding ways to sabotage my soul-sucking career that I can't stand because it's then going to finally force me to do something else with my life. Right. So it's about questioning all of this, understanding what is my strategy here? What's it designed to do through a lens, through an objective lens as much as possible? Right. Without, without poo pooing everything like, well, of course I don't want that. Well, but maybe you do. Right. You're on mute. I can't hear you. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll edit, I'll edit that. But. Um, what I was going to say is they got external strategies and internal strategies. The, a lot of the internal strategies that you're speaking of, I wanted you to define the difference because it's like, okay, I don't even know if I've set that strategy. You, do you so follow me for a second, Chris? So here's this, okay, I have a goal. I have mm -hmm. a purpose. I have a mission. I have values. I've said, mm -hmm. okay, this is a goal for the year. And I'm going, mm -hmm. well, what internal strategy is guiding me toward that? Um, Great question. It, yeah, exactly. So there's, remember earlier I talked about that feedback loop, the operating system, the, the belief system, the thoughts, the feelings, the actions, the results, and, and the, the self-fulfilling kind of prophecy there. Right. You can reverse engineer this as well. Start with the end result that is the ideal. What is it that I'm trying to accomplish that I want to achieve here? Okay, here it is. Great. What are the actions that I think are most likely to produce that result? X, Y, Z. Great. What are the experiences? What are the feelings that I need to have that will drive those actions? I need to feel this way. I need to feel that way. Great. What are the thoughts that I'm going to think that will generate those kinds of feelings. Okay. Awesome. Now, what is the system, the root system that's going to give birth to those thoughts? When you start comparing this from the reality you have and track it back to what were the actions that I took? What were the feelings that I had? What were the thoughts that I were, I was thinking? And what's the system to the best of my ability and compare it to the one 
where with the result you do want, you're going to start to see where the alignment problems are. And this is why we say in this work, why I say in this work, there's no good or bad. There's no right or wrong. There is aligned or misaligned with the outcomes that you want, the experience you want to have through those loops of neuroscience. I can remember hearing these words from Stephen Kotler. And I think it holds true because, you know, you have this work in flow genome. You know, he said, normally somebody like ourselves and or uh, somebody who's in business for themselves or an executive, they got a high intense curiosity. Then he Mm -hmm. said, you move from curiosity uh, to defining a purpose in life. Mm -hmm. You got to have a purpose. And then you move from the purpose to defining a goal around those purposes and that vision, right? Right. And then you move to those proximal goals, which are those little mini goals that we're trying to get to actually achieve that. And I thought his formula was really good because everybody I've interviewed who's made something, uh, invented something, been in business for themselves, done well for themselves in some way, Mm-hmm. is usually extremely curious. I thought that part was really good. I thought the part of finding a purpose, something greater than ourselves to work for, was mm-hmm. really a big driver too. So if you would, uh, I want to speak with you about the power of having this proactive mindset versus having a reactive mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the What is it that proactive individuals do to create their situation that makes them more likely to be successful, right? And I'm not saying, well, okay, the Buddhist philosophy is if you have a goal and you're attached to the goal, right? We right. talk about non-attachment. We have a lot of shows on here about non-attachment. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't have a goal. It means mm-hmm. maybe it won't turn out exactly as you thought it would. <laughs> yeah, and you, that's... And you, you can't get upset by that. Well, you can, right? If you're right. but, but you know, we say, be, right, full, full investment with zero attachment, right? Um, the the way I frame this is, let's say I have some idea that I want to that I need to go down Madison Avenue all the way to Fifth Street to get to the thing I want. And mm-hmm. as I'm walking down Madison Avenue, I get to about third, and I look, and then there's something else down third that I actually really want more. And so I pivot and I go that way instead. Well, had I not embarked on the journey to begin with, I never would have seen the thing on third, right? I, I Had I not moved toward the thing on first, I wouldn't have seen the thing on third. And so it, it really is about taking those steps, taking the journey, understanding that I am going to succeed. I can I can guarantee you in this work that we do at Status Flow, I can guarantee you success. What I can't guarantee is what it looks like, mm-hmm. right? Because the definition is very likely going to change because we are literally transforming humans. I mean, that's just so it's going to be different. Um, and it requires an element of surrender, right? Well, when, the positive and, mindset. I want to get to that because Chris, you're I know you have right, right, right. of it, but <laughs> but. But there is a huge difference between being reactive and proactive. And, yes. the pro, and what I said, I said positive. I meant to say proactive mindset. The proactive mindset is the guy or gal who's got things kind of lined up in a row. This is what I'm going after. Mm-hmm. The reactive mindset is saying, well, I'm just going to let it happen the way it happens. 
mm-hmm. to, to a certain degree, right? Right. Yeah. I, th- I think with the proactive and reactive, it also speaks to uh, Carol Dweck and, and Dr. Andrew Huberman's work in uh, the growth versus fixed mindset, right? It's mm-hmm. very relatable here. So a proactive person is going to have a growth mindset where we look at things, uh, we look at challenges as opportunities to learn and grow. That's what a fixed mindset and a proactive mindset looks like in, in a, uh, in a, in a fixed mindset as opposed to a growth mindset. If I, if I said that wrong, I might have, I might have said that wrong. In a fixed mindset, challenges are the limit of my abilities, mm-hmm. right? Growth mindset. This is an exciting opportunity for me, for me to learn. Fixed mindset. This is where I'm just going to fall short and it, and it doesn't work. So, um, so the proactive person is going to have that growth mindset. They're going to embrace challenges. They're going to look at themselves as, uh, a, as an opportunity for expansion and learning. And again, to your point, without that attachment to it must be a certain way. Right. Right. And I think it's important because you can still live in that world from a Buddhist perspective and still be very successful. Have a proactive mindset, um, but know that if it doesn't go exactly the way you thought, that the reality is is that the universe had a different plan. You're going to be okay with that. Uh, Because I think that the energies align with relation to your thoughts about what you want to create in that universe. So there's an alignment of, I'm going to call it, uh spiritual alignment universal Mm -hmm. energy the thoughts and you know as we said what you put out there is what you will get so Mm -hmm. you had a really great little story and i had to throw this one in uh in your chapter taking ownership of our beliefs Mm -hmm. Uh, and you tell the story about napoleon bonaparte and (laughs) how he was was short or he supposedly was short um, actually, when you tell the listeners how tall he really was, maybe he wasn't that short. Can you tell the story um, of why knowing what our beliefs is important? Because we frequently make stuff up and then mm-hmm. we believe the stuff, like I said before, and then we spend much of our lives undoing what we made up. And so how can you help people stop this insidious cycle and the Napoleon Hill Bonaparte story actually really does a great job of accentuating that. Yeah. Everybody out there doesn't know how tall he really was. Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, Napoleon was about five, eight and uh, by, by the measurements that we use today. So I'm, he's actually two inches taller than I. Um, and, and he was lampooned for being short because the Imperial guards were typically taller, but, and, and we, and they had a different system of measurement. So it just, it's, it really isn't true. Um, but let's talk about, to your point about, you know, choices and, and beliefs. I mean, let's talk about what is a belief. Ultimately, it is a choice. It is that simple. Your, you can choose whatever belief you want. You can choose to believe in God or not believe in God. You can choose to your political views. You can choose to believe anything. So a belief is simply a, a choice that you haven't taken responsibility for yet, right? Mm-hmm. The second you take responsibility for your beliefs, you get the opportunity, maybe the obligation to make the choice, select the belief that aligns with the life you want and the goals you have. 
You know, if I want to have the relationship of my dreams, if I want to make millions of dollars, then the belief that I don't deserve it is simply misaligned with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Aligned or misaligned, not good or bad, not right or wrong, aligned or misaligned. I don't deserve it is misaligned. When you start doing this kind of work, there are certain luxuries that our clients don't, they, they can't afford anymore. You can't afford. I'm not lovable. You can't afford. I'm not good enough. You can't afford. I don't deserve it. Like these are luxuries that people who don't really want to go after it can afford. But if you're going to play a bigger game, if you're going to complete if you're going to live the life you came here for, I don't deserve it is misaligned. Um, and I would add to that. And this show's been on for a long time and there's been lots of personal growth uh, interviews. And I know personal growth at times gets a bad rap. People don't believe this stuff that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. What I would say you need to add to that is Nobody said that just because you thought it, it would manifest. There's a lot of hard work that has to come after you've declared and believe that that's what you want to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think oftentimes what's left out of the equation is, you know, I, we all go back to the days of the secret, right? It's mm -hmm. like, Hey, yeah, the secret, <laughs> we're going to have the secret. And Oh, by the way, if you can do an affirmation and, and live with that affirmation, you're going to manifest that. Uh, yes. And no, yes. And no, if you apply the focused energy to what you're trying to do, no, if you just say, well, I'm going to get a million dollars, by the way, it's going to drop my lap. Um, would would you agree with me or not? Yeah, you know what? Um, and maybe you'll remember this. You know, back back in the USM days, they would say God, Spirit, Source, Energy, Universe, whatever name you want to give it. Uh, you know, God meets us at the point of action. Right. You know, and we see this on the West Side in particular in LA. You know, like these West Side hippies. You know, I'm manifesting. It's like, no, you're sitting on the couch, man. You got to get up and do something. You do yeah. need to align your frequency, right? Yeah. Um, you need to align your frequency with the frequency of the thing you want, and you got to get off your ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I and I and I think that you know, look, it isn't that this gets a bad rap. It's that people misunderstand, I think, sometimes what we speak about um, with an expectation that if they do part of it, it's going to work. You can't do part of it. You got to do all of the work. Right. Um, it, and all the work is a lot of internal psychodynamics that you're working on from patterns, thoughts, beliefs that are locked up inside of there which aren't serving you as they say at USM and replacing those with ones that are. And, you know, the book itself, not just your website, because for all my listeners, you're going to go to statusflow.net to learn more about Chris and the courses and the coaching and the things that he's doing. I'm going to encourage you to do that. You can get the book on Amazon. Uh, we'll put a link to it on Amazon. But Chris, Great stories in this book, great advice, wonderful wisdom about your own teachings along the way. What would you like to advise the listeners about in renegotiating their existence? And what actionable steps can they, can they take to reclaim 
the life they should be living, not the lie. Well, you know, Mark Twain said the two most important days of your life are the day you born, the day you're born and the day you find out why. And when you get really connected to that why, um, these things kind of take care of themselves in my experience. Um, I'll say it's, it's a combination of commitment and devotion, right? Commitment is that headstrong masculine choice. I'm doing this. I'm committed to doing it. Devotion has a much more feminine quality. It's, it's that thing that makes me fall on my knees and just surrender to it. Like uh, I will give everything for this. And when I marry my commitment with my devotion, I, I, I simply, I just don't fail. I just don't. Um, and, and I think that's the, that's the first thing is dare yourself to believe it could actually happen mm-hmm. because we, and we've proven this through the banister principle, right? You know, from the four minute mile guy, right? Everybody thought it was impossible to run a four minute mile. Decades people tried to do it. Bannister did it in May of 1954. His record lasted 46 days because the world consciousness changed in that moment, which then changed reality. Like I said, you know, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. You change what you believe, you will change. When you change what you believe, you will change what you see. It's funny you were, you said Bannister, Banner, right? Banner. Uh, uh, No, Bannister. I think his name is Bannister. 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 Because my brother used to live in Lake Tahoe, and he lived with him. And really? he used to train every morning at high altitude. Right. right. So I'll give you an idea, and that goes way back, because the whole four-minute mile thing that you're talking about is like eons, eons old. Right. <laughs> there have been guys that have truly beaten that number up big time, um, right? But it was that tipping point in kind of the running world. Um mm-hmm. And it was really a good example. Well, I'm going to direct all the listeners uh, to go out, get a copy of the book, go to the website, please, uh, so that you can learn more about um, Chris and his work. And again, I'll repeat it. It's statusflow.net, transformational experiences, one-on-one coaching, uh, working as teams, speaking engagements. Uh, which you can hire Chris to speak. His podcast there is there as well. Mindfuck, you can actually look that up on Spotify and iTunes as well. Chris, a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and spending a little bit of your time to uh, speak with our listeners and to give them an idea of really renegotiating their existence. (laughs) Thank you so much, Greg. So good to be with you. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks. Namaste, buddy. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.